you're a veteran or military spouse or another state startup or small business, you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. There's nothing quite as exhilarating as catching that entrepreneurial bug. That moment you come up with a great idea and commit to figuring out how to bring it to life. You're so excited that you tell all your friends and family about it. One day, you finally decide to pull the trigger, dip into your savings, build your first website, and start selling. You start selling a couple products and services, and then the next thing you know, you're off to the races. A few months pass, and you're making some decent revenue, but you're running yourself ragged. You're burning the midnight oil and working on the weekends. Everyone tells you that you need to start hiring other people to help, but you don't even know where to begin. You tried a couple interns in the past, but they didn't quite work out. Their work wasn't up to your quality, and managing them was a whole other headache. You read books and listen to podcasts of successful entrepreneurs who tell you that you need to build systems, hire the right team, and delegate so that your business can run efficiently without you. Oh, if you could only take a couple days off and go on a vacation. You can taste the breeze from the ocean in your mouth and imagine the sand at your feet. If only it was possible. If the description above resonates with you, you're not alone. Launching a venture is one thing. Documenting and capturing core processes and procedures down to the minute detail so that your business can run efficiently as possible is a whole separate beast. It's not glamorous or sexy, but it's a key component of successfully run ventures. Once you start generating revenue, it's no longer about validating the business model, but ensuring long-term sustainability. To discuss this issue with me, I invited on today's show, Ashley Berghoff, CEO of A-Squared Online, which helps freelancers and online service providers adopt the practices, processes, systems, and effective delegation strategies that will give them daily clarity and focus. Ashley and her team exist to help entrepreneurs to grow their businesses while experiencing real freedom. A few months ago, I was connected with Ashley by way of Gabriella Bell from Organized Q after expressing my frustration with feeling overwhelmed by all the different aspects required to effectively run my company, Ironbound Media. After working with Ashley and her team for the past few months, I knew she would be a great guest for an office hour session on the transition where we bring on SMEs to deliver actionable advice to the bunker community. She recently published her first book, Eureka Results, how entrepreneurs can turn their best ideas into reality. In the following episode, we discuss establishing systems, empowering your team, and her book, Eureka Results. By the end of this episode, you'll have a better understanding of establishing processes and procedures within your own business. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that it accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Ashley, thanks for joining me today on The Transition. So uh, welcome to The Bunker. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. I'm super excited to have you on the platform. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on is, you know, I typically do interviews on this show, you know, some peer-to-peer learning amongst mm-hmm. veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses within the Bunker Lab ecosystem. But I try to do something a little bit different for our office hour sessions where I bring in SMEs such as yourself 
to to come on and really just give our listeners some t- I don't want to say tactical because it sounds kind of cheesy, but just like some actionable advice that they can go out there and start implementing today. And uh, I think these office hour sessions are super important. And it just goes back to the power of like audio and teaching and, you know, really just creating our own kind of platforms and create niche content to serve our listeners. And so with that said, again, I'm so honored to have you on with our with the bunker today. I am so excited. I love practical stuff. So this will be great. So how about you take a moment and just go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely. Um, I'm so glad you're listening today. My name is Ashley Berghoff. I'm the founder and CEO of A Squared Online and the author of my brand new book called Eureka Results. I'm uh, passionate about working with entrepreneurs, especially creative entrepreneurs who started their businesses for freedom and autonomy in their lives to help them actually experience that freedom uh, through systems and delegation. So that's what I do. That's what I'm on a mission to do. And uh, just really love using my organizational nerdiness to help entrepreneurs make their best ideas happen. So I'm going to I'm going to tell on myself, y'all, this is how I came across Ashley. Uh, I work with Gabriella Bell from Organized Q. She's going to be in one of our office hour sessions. She probably ran before this one already. And, you know, it just gets to the point of I run a for profit Ironbound Media podcast production agency. I run Ironbound Boxing, nonprofit, entrepreneur education, and employment opportunities for Newark youth and young adults, as well as a free boxing gym in Newark, New Jersey. And oh, by the way, I have my personal life, girlfriend, staying healthy, you know, all that goes. And I had just reached a point to where I was feeling kind of slightly overwhelmed. um, And our team was growing. You know, we're hiring out graphic designers. We're hiring out, uh, you know, audio engineer. And it was just to the point of like, how do I organize all this chaos? Like I'm bouncing around from Google Docs. You know, I've got, what is the other one? Um, ah, dang. Notion. Notion and Pipe Drive and all these yeah. different platforms. And I was like, okay, I need to be more efficient with this. And I have a business coach. His name's Bill Watkins from the Lions Pride. And I was on a session with him. And I was telling about some issues I was having. Like I'm trying to pick between which software do I use? He was like, why are you picking the software? He was like, get the right people in the right seat have them pick the software and stuff for you, you know, kind of like hire that out and then let them decide and build that out for you. And it was just a different way of thinking because I think for a lot of us, we're so used to kind of jumping in the weeds and doing everything ourselves versus saying like, you know, me and you both like Mike McCallowitz. And one of the things he talks about is the queen bee. Is it QBR, the queen bee role? Like, Like what's the most important role of you as the founder that nobody else can do that drives the biggest results. And it ain't, me going through and looking at pipe drive and all these different CRM platforms and stuff. (laughs) And so I came back to Gabby, um, you know, cause I work with her team at organized Q for virtual assistant services. And I said, Hey, I want to hire out some process consultants. What are your advice? And she's like, well, matter of fact, we actually work with Ashley Berghoff from a squared online. We'd love to introduce you. And I think they'd be a great fit. And I was like, sign me up. And so we've been working together probably a little over a month and a half, maybe two months. And uh, here we are. And I can already see, my ability on the podcast workflow leveling up and it's from her and her team helping me take advantage of this new platform called notion. And I just thought it'd be a good discussion for us to have on this office hour session about, you know, and you feel free to use me as a case study, Ashley, of just the process of achieving Eureka results, you know, Mm -hmm. and what does it mean to kind of, you know, have a business not run you into the ground and how do you manage the chaos so that we can, we can focus on our most important work. 
Right, right. Um, yeah, I think so many entrepreneurs are in this situation of, you know, having huge ideas, really incredible vision, things that the world needs, and finding it really hard to figure out what does it look like to actually make this thing happen in a way that doesn't burn me out, in a way that doesn't destroy my passion for the thing. Um, and, you know, shiny object syndrome is real. I run into a lot of people who have so many half finished projects that they have floating around. So what does that look like? And a lot of times when we first start working with a client, we start with that, you know, how are you feeling about things? Where are you? Um, what do you want to see happen? How can we streamline your life and build in some structure, right? Because a lot of times what can happen in a growing company is when you first start, you can throw spaghetti at the wall, see what happens, uh, kind of reinvent the wheel for each new client because you only have a few, make it happen, still have an incredible result, make your client happy. But at a certain point, you can't take on any more clients and you're trying to figure out how to grow, right? So with you, Mike, we were looking at that and saying, okay, you're taking incredible care of the clients you have. You want to be able to bring on more clients and work less. How can we keep the, the service you're providing at the same level and start to lock in some of these pieces so you're doing them the same way every time and they're happening on automatic, they're being delivered by your team and those sorts of things. So um, a lot of it is kind of stepping back for a second, getting a picture of how things happen today um, because you already had a system right? It just wasn't clearly defined in your own mind or easily able to delegate to someone else. So it's how is that happening? What is the system that's happening today? Um, and how can we start taking those individual puzzle pieces and giving them to other people, locking them in, automating them to start building in that structure and scaffolding so you can keep growing? Before we do a deep dive, one of the things mm -hmm. I, I want you to do is uh, take, you're an entrepreneur yourself. You know, in, a, in this age of social media, look at me on LinkedIn and, and Instagram. I'm so successful. And one of the things that we like to do here at the bunker is we like to take off our armor, you mm -hmm. know, and show people, you know, what it's really like on the other side. Because I try to tell people entrepreneurship is like the Wizard of Oz. You know, you get there, you pull the curd back. There's a guy back there pulling a bunch of strings. <laughs> but for some reason, people don't like to admit that. And so, you know, mm -hmm. if you wouldn't mind sharing with the audience something that you're struggling with, either personally or professionally as a business owner. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately that I've noticed in myself is because I'm a systems person, I if I don't manage my time perfectly, I feel this kind of extra dose of shame around it. And I think there is, like you're saying, with the social media world that we're in, this expectation that if something is your specialty, you're not allowed to still be working on that for yourself, right? Um, so this is my passion. It's my area of expertise, my area of training, but sometimes I don't manage my time well, right? <laughs> I make mistakes in these areas. I don't have perfect systems in my own business. I'm constantly iterating on those things. Um, and I, you know, I want to change my own approach to my business away from, oh, I'm the expert and I know everything there is to know and towards this is my craft. This is my vocation, this is what I'm learning. This is how I'm growing in these areas. This is what I'm discovering. Um, and this is where I'm failing, right? To say, you know, part of the reason that I believe in systems so much is that I've had multiple areas in my life and my business where they weren't there and I paid the price for that. Um, and so, 
yeah, I think that's something that's been a, a struggle for me in some ways to start saying out loud, you know, to say, yes, this, I'm good at what I do, but um, I screw up my systems sometimes and I don't always manage my time the way I want to. And sometimes I need my own preaching, you know, to remind myself of what I really believe is true about these things because I can fall into the exact same sticking points and obstacles that my clients do. Um, so that's been a weird feeling to start getting out in public and saying, yeah, I'm not perfect about this. Um, I still love what I do, but I'm not perfect at it. I can relate a hundred percent. That's why I have a podcast. Sometimes yeah. I need to go back and hear my motivational talks. So I'm like, yeah, Mike, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You got this. Um, but you know, you, you brought up something and let's get a little philosophical a bit just for a little bit mm. of why can't business owners be craftsmen? You know, mm. it's all this yeah. scale, 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 grow, grow, grow. You know what I mean? Yep. You had this conversation of, you know, where do you want to take your company and right. a craftsman mindset, this idea of mastery, as mm -hmm. opposed to just, you know, just grow for the sake of growing. Right. You know? And I think it goes back to being intentional about like, what kind of business owner do you want to be? Mm -hmm. And I will tell y'all as my listeners, like, I'm trying to do like, kind of like Ashley, like, I just want to read, write, grow, learn, spend mm -hmm. time with the people that are important to me. Um, and, you know, leave an impact, impact my community as best I can. Sometimes it can yeah. be pushed back against the modern day entrepreneurship of hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of, I think, especially in the online space, this rise of the guru and the expert and everyone's an expert. Um, you know, I would love to follow marketing consultants who are like, hey, my marketing sucks over here and I'm working on this and I'm running into these issues. And, you know, oh, you tried this campaign and it didn't work like that would be more valuable to me, honestly, than everyone pretending that they're perfect at whatever it is that they do. Um, but it's easier said than done to actually do that for your own work. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and jump right in. How do how do we as business owners achieve those eureka results? Um, and I think a good place to start is, you know, like what is the biggest issue you see with a lot of the, the prospects that come to you? Yeah, yeah. So um, most of the time when someone comes to me, they're in a situation where they're overwhelmed, haven't taken a vacation in too long, feel like they can't unplug from their business. Um, and they want to keep growing, but they literally cannot throw more time at it, right? Already invested all of their spare time and then some in this business. And how are they supposed to grow from here? Because they're already working all the time. And so that's a lot of times where we're catching people. Um, and the specifics can look a little bit different, right? So some of them might be, hey, I'm spending six hours on every proposal um, for a new client or hey, I have 10 clients and it's really a struggle to keep up with them and how am I supposed to get more, but I want to keep growing? Or, um, hey, I have a team and I brought them on, but now I don't know what to give them, right? They're asking me to delegate things to them and I don't know how to do that. Um, so it often comes back to the spot of everything's on their plate and it's all just jumbled on there, right? And they're just trying to keep their head above water and and tread water in their own business to react to the things that absolutely have to get done. Um, and so one of the first things we do is normalize it. Um, this is a very normal part of entrepreneurship, but also to say it does not have to be this way um, because I think there also can be a misconception in the other direction that if you want to grow, this is how it happens, right? Uh, you can't get away from it. It's impossible to avoid. You, this is just the life of an entrepreneur, which isn't true. Um, and so we can kind of normalize it on one side, but also say there is 
a different way to approach this. Um, and then we, we dig in, right? So we kind of focus on often the most painful process that that person is dealing with, which often is customer delivery, right? How are you delivering your service to your clients? How can we put in templates and automations and uh, document how you're doing different things so that you as the business owner don't have to do those things because another person's doing them or a machine is doing them, or it's a decision that you made one time and now you can just keep that, right? You write the email once and you send it to every client instead of writing the same email, right? Um, so we find those areas then to say, all right, where are we doing work multiple times? Where are you doing work that someone else should do? And how can we start one piece at a time building in something different for them? Um, so it doesn't have to be this huge renovation overnight for some clients. It can take a little while and just one step at a time. Just to give our listeners an understanding of the breadth and scope of some of the kind of clients and industries you work with, mm-hmm. um, do you mind sharing some of that? Because we have a lot of Main Street businesses. You yeah. know, they're out there. Mm-hmm. They're the craftsmen. They're the makers. We got mm-hmm. the tech startups, you know, mm-hmm. that are pre-seed or they've already launched. So we've got a wide range here at Bonker, but I will tell you, yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs are definitely in the mix. So yeah. <laughs> they're not running on auto yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not easy to do. It's a completely new skill set for many entrepreneurs. Um, we work with a lot of online service providers, copywriters, brand strategists, coaches, consultants, graphic designers, uh, you know, WordPress coders, people like that. Um, we have a SaaS company that we're working with right now. Um, so helping them with their client delivery for software. Um, who else? I'm trying to think recently who we've worked with. We haven't worked as much with the product businesses or the in-person services just because a lot of times they are a little bit more specialized. So for example, a dentist or a lawyer, um, they're going to have a specific kind of lingo and certain kind of industry knowledge that you need to really be useful for finding the gaps in their process. But that said, um, one client that we worked with, she was a list builder within a company. That's something I've never done before. Um, and in some ways, we can actually be more helpful in that way because we can look at a process and not be able to follow it in certain places and be able to find the gaps that often the business owner doesn't see because everything is so clear to them, right? Um, they're like, well, obviously, you go straight from this thing to this thing. <laughs> um, but we can kind of play the role almost of a new employee in their business to find where the gaps are and then help fill them. So we've worked with a lot of different companies. So one of the things that everybody, you know, this word systems gets talked about. And I know mm. when I first started, like I didn't really know what systems was, but everybody's like, you yeah. need to focus on systems, focus on systems. Yeah. Can you explain to our listeners, what do we mean when we say systems? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an incredible question. And it's a huge, like the big idea of my book really is redefining what systems are. Um, a lot of times we tend to think of systems as, process and procedure manuals, checklists, documentation, you know, those process flow maps that we've all seen that can be incredibly complex. Um, And those aren't not systems, but systems are actually much, much deeper and broader than that. Um, So a better way to think about a system is it's how things are done and how you work things together in your life to make something happen, right? So brushing your teeth is a system. Calling someone on the phone is a system. Absolutely everything you do is done somehow, right? 
And so a lot of times I work with creative entrepreneurs who are like, I'm not a systems person. I'm just not wired that way. And they're not wrong. You know, there's kind of a natural bent towards thinking that way that some of us have and some of us don't. But at the same time, even those entrepreneurs often are using systems quite effectively. They just don't think of them that way. And when we can start thinking of systems more broadly, like, oh, it's just how I do what I do. Um, and being able to communicate that to someone else, um, all of a sudden, I think that opens the window to say, okay, I don't have to be a nerd about this to want to learn to build this muscle in my life to say, here's where I want to go. Here are the things around me that I can leverage to get me there. And this is how I'm going to get there. That's all that a system really is. And so we can use and document and change and improve systems in every way you can think of because we're all so different and we think differently and we operate differently. But every human, especially creative entrepreneurs, um, can learn how to really channel their energy into what deserves it the most, right? I would love to see our creators have more time to be creators, right? Because they're not spending so much time, like you're saying, in the weeds of some software trying to figure it out somewhere or, um, you know, spending three hours a week trying to figure out how to invoice their clients or things like that, right? Um, so much of our creative energy can go to the places that it's not best used. And so a lot of systems work really is protecting our creative energy rather than becoming a straitjacket on our creative energy um, when we can be intentional about that. So one of the things I know for me, and I'm going to tell this to everybody out there, I was that person that said, I'm not a systems person, <laughs> but I start practicing positive self-talk, mm-hmm. you know, because the universe is neutral. If you come up with something, you say it is right. Like it will tell, it will do that, you know? So I want to encourage everyone out here to, you know, embrace this idea of saying that you're a systems person. Don't dumb down your greatness. Speak it to existence. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, right, it can be slightly overwhelming in our businesses. So again, yes. using me as an example, we launched these podcasts. It's the most tedious thing in the world, it seems like, right? Yeah. Which is why I asked you about the breadth and scope to some of your businesses, because I'm sure yeah. everybody says, oh, my business is unique. You don't understand. Yeah. I got to get the flour. I got to measure this. And I got to put it in the <laughs> oven. I got to do all that. Well, for yeah. the podcast, it was like, man, like, what are the things that I'm doing over and over and over again? You know, and the mm-hmm. old way was, like you said, document everything, create this SOP manual. And so right. just from the books and stuff I read, I was like, okay, let me start that process. But it was exhausting. Like it was yeah. draining to me. And yeah. going back to the queen bee role, the most important work, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it my best use of time to do that? Well, as a right. person who came up with the idea and the vision for the business that's done it, <laughs> you know, it right. makes sense that you would think, oh yeah. Mike, you should be the SOP person. But I was just like, blah, it was just overwhelming. (laughs) And oh, by the way, I still had all this other stuff. So I reached out to Mm -hmm. Ashley. And one of the first things we did that I felt was super helpful was the mind mapping exercise. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. for me, it just felt like a brain dump. And I just felt this giant sense of like relief that at least it was documented somewhere. And it wasn't perfect, right? But at least Mm -hmm. we got like all of the steps and the processes and just on to something. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I think, especially in that example with you, A, you were holding all of that in your head, which is like, oh, no wonder my head feels full. <laughs> I was holding all of that in my brain. And B, it's validating in a lot of ways that you had 
so much more already in place than you maybe felt like you did, right? When you see that down on paper, it's like, oh, wow, okay, I'm doing a lot to make these podcasts happen. And I'm just rolling these things through every single time on the power of my mind. I have a lot more than I thought, right? So some of that is just validating what already exists, right? Because that first mind map was just writing down what you are already doing every time. Um, and then we can, you know, tweak things and say, hey, let's move this piece over here. Or how can we delegate this piece over here? Um, but you already had so much there that we could just build on. So what would you encourage our listeners to do? If they're kind of in that similar position, like what is something that they can do right now? Yeah. Um, Honestly, the brain dump is a huge first step. And that could be, so if you're thinking about a process, right? I need to streamline how I do this, or I'm spending way too much time doing this thing. Um, You can do this in a Google doc. I used XMind, which is a a mind mapping tool. Uh, You can use paper and just kind of write things out and just, start at the beginning, like, okay, someone says, yes, they want to work with me. What happens? Okay. I send them this. All right. Yeah. 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 All right. Then what happens? Okay. Then we do this. And then we have this kind of call. And then I do this, just start kind of writing it down. Um, What you'll find is that even if there are things where you're like, well, sometimes I do it this way, or sometimes I do it this way, there's going to be a lot of pieces that are very similar each time you're working with a client. And even just seeing it on paper, you're going to notice like, huh? Okay. Every client, I send them a welcome email. What if I made that a template instead of writing a new one every single time? Huh, okay. Or, okay, I spend a lot of time right here. Is my client actually getting a ton of value from this step? Maybe not. Okay, is there a way I can delegate that, streamline it? You know, once you see it, a lot of that stuff becomes a lot easier. Um, Similarly, if what you're feeling instead of kind of wanting to fix a process is just generalized overwhelm, like I cannot possibly keep up with everything that's going on. We follow a similar process in just paper, Google Doc, whatever, dump everything out, absolutely everything, personal, professional, everything that your head is telling you. Because what's interesting about our brains when it comes to holding things in your head is your brain is not good at differentiating urgency um, and will just treat everything as if it is urgent, right? Which is why we'll wake up at 2 a.m. and be like, ah, I need to do that thing. And really, once you think about it for a second, you actually don't need to do it till next Thursday, right? Um, So your brain's doing this constantly and always kind of bringing these things back to your awareness so you don't forget about them, um, which just adds more stress. So a lot of times what happens if you do this with what's in your brain, just get it down on paper. A, you're going to realize there's a lot of stuff on there, but B, you're going to realize that not nearly as much of it as urgent as your brain is telling you it is, right? Right. So once you start getting it down, you might realize like, oh, okay, like I'm going to be in huge trouble if I don't get those two things done today, but that's it. Okay, cool. I'm going to do those two things. And then tomorrow I'm going to come back and I'm going to do this again, right? Once that happens, your brain can release everything else because it knows it's captured and you have kind of consciously brought it to your awareness to say, that's not happening today. I made that call. It's not going to happen, right? Um, it might be disappointing, right? right. Um, sometimes you'll look at it and be like, I want to be able to just get it all done. Um, but there's no such thing as getting it all done. There will always be more, always. And so the goal is to get it all out and then be able to make decisions with what you see. Don't try to do it in your head because that will just add to the stress of it and the confusion of it. But once it's down in front of you, a lot of times 
things will kind of start to become clear on their own of what you want to do next with that. What I liked in your examples, you emphasize kind of like the sales process, you know, mm-hmm. like what is the, you know, how do we market, you know, what sales crypto we send them, et cetera. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you all, one of the first things I did that was a system and I start that made it click was I created what's called a customer activation cycle, which mm-hmm. is like, what does it look like to bring a customer into the Ironbound ecosystem, you know, from initial yeah. contact to getting them to signing and purchasing one of our packages and mm-hmm. then taking them on. And like clockwork, when I launched, like that was one of the first things I built. It was working mm-hmm. like clockwork. Mm-hmm. Step one, initial meeting, find out about them. You know, what are their mm-hmm. goals? What are their focuses? Step two, yeah. book a working session. You know, then yep. we start following yep. this same template. Step three, mm-hmm. pick a package. And step four, client kickoff. You yep. know, and it was like a very basic system. And I had it mapped out visually, but it just mm-hmm. worked. And yep. I was like, okay, let's, let's, this is good. But then mm-hmm. in each of those processes, it's like, well, how do we make it to where I'm not just the one that can do the work in session? Right. You know? uh, right. And so start to think through that. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you, too, one of the things that made me reach out to you as well, Ashley, was the overload of my brain. Yeah. Right. I just felt like exhausted. You know, yep. every email was just like, I can't respond. Like, I just was having trouble thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Mm-hmm. That's why I really appreciate about, you know, I, I reached out to you and I asked you, what book recommendations do you have? Mm-hmm. And you sent me a list of books on your shelf. And mm-hmm. the book I read was Fix This Next. Mm-hmm. Right. So we did our brain dump. You know, we did the mind mapping exercise. And then I had to go away on a trip. And I'm just mm-hmm. exhausted because I'm away. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so much to do. And I yep. read Fix This Next by Mike McCallowitz. And one of the things he talks about is a business hierarchy of needs. Yep. And it's like five, it's a five pyramid at the base of the pyramid is sales, then profit, order, impact, and legacy. Yep. And I said, you know what? The one thing that's giving me the biggest headache is the podcast workflow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I can fix this, right. And I get this dialed in, I feel like it's going to free up a lot of space mm-hmm. because that's the thing that kind of, I don't want to say keeps me up at night, but that's the thing that keeps me the most busiest is making sure right. audio files are going back and forth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Mm -hmm. and so when you see clients come to you, right. And they're just, like you said, they're drained and they're exhausted, right. How do you help them go through the process of finding like, what is the most important thing that they need Mm -hmm. to focus on? Cause you said we can't do everything, you know, we got to get invoices. We got to do all this kind of stuff, but it's like, man, if you could focus your time, effort, intention on the best bang for the buck, what would it be? Yeah, that's a great question. And I actually, um, when Fix This Next first came out, I became certified in it because I love that concept of saying, all right, you have one core thing. Let's focus on that. Let's get her done. Move on to the next thing, right? Um, so for my clients, a lot of times, uh, the first thing is let's go from drowning to not drowning, right? Because you can't think strategically about your processes if you feel like you're drowning, right? So we'll do that brain dump like we talked about. Just like, all right, you feel like your brain is telling you it is impossible to do all the things. So let's get all the things out. And let's realize if our brain's right or not. Most of the time, your brain's not right. Or it is right, in which case, let's move some stuff or not do some stuff, right? Um, Because a lot of times, if we have this impossible list, it's going to stay impossible no matter how we work, right? Because it's impossible. And so a lot of times, it's just saying, okay, we're not going to do the 55 things today. We're going to do these five. We're going to make peace with not doing the other 45. Um, and move on to the next day. So a lot of it is just 
let's get to a point where you actually have some kind of breathing space. Maybe we've kicked off some projects. Maybe we've given you permission to not start on something for a while. Maybe we've given you permission to email that prospect and say, you're not taking on that project right now and putting them on a waiting list, whatever it is. Like, let's make some decisions so that you can sleep at night, so you can breathe, so you can feel like, all right, at least the very important things, I can do them. I have some space to breathe. I have some space to think. Because like you're saying, when you're that overloaded, even just responding to an email, your brain's just like, nah, I've, I've got nothing. Like I have no, nothing left to give to you. Right? <laughs> um, and so a lot of it's drowning to not drowning. Once we get from there, um, that's usually when we start looking at, all right, how can we define how your customer experience happens? Once we've defined it, okay, let's start taking entire chunks of this off of your plate entirely. Um, so it's kind of this interesting thing where we're working towards kind of bigger, more permanent freedom. But before we can get there, we start with just let's get you to a point where you feel like there's some ground under your feet. Um, so you can even think about that, right? Because a lot of that's designing and building and making decisions, which is work in and of itself um, to be able to get to that point where you permanently don't end up in that spot of constant overwhelm, right? So it's fixing the immediate overwhelm and then looking towards the bigger picture. Usually once the customer experience process is really streamlined, that solves a lot of the issues. Um, But then we can look at other things like your sales systems or um, generalized time management and planning for executing on big projects and things like that. Let's lean into customer experience a little bit. Why is that so important for people to understand? Yeah, I think um, for most of the the customers that I work with, the experience is what we are delivering, right? Um, we're not, for the most part, product businesses. And so it's not just ship the thing and you're done. You're actually delivering on a service. And so that's complex, right? Um, and there are usually 20, 30, 40 steps that go into from the moment a client says yes to the moment a client has, you know, sent you a great testimonial and is off on their way. So um, a lot of times what happens to entrepreneurs is they end up selling custom work uh, at not custom prices, right? So they're selling private chef work at restaurant prices and they end up in a spot where they now have no more space to deliver another to another client uh, but they're not making the money that they want to make, right? So you might run into someone every once in a while who's charging so much to their individual one-on-one clients that they can have three clients and they're good to go and they move on with their lives and they're fine, right? But most of us, we hit that spot where it's like, I can't take on another more client if I tried, but I'm not making enough money to feel sustainably profitable in this business. So what in the world do I do? Um, So what we do is we want to move them from custom work to customizable work. So for example, for you, Mike, you're a podcast producer, your work will never be 100% cookie cutter, right? That would kind of defeat the purpose, right? Each client's going to come in with their own vision, their own focus, their own style, um, those sorts of things. And there needs to be room for that. But so much that goes on behind the scenes is the same for every single client, right? And so the goal is to lock in every step we can possibly lock in. So you're not every time like, okay, how am I going to do this piece? Oh, yeah, no, now I need to do this piece, right? Um, So that all of that happens automatically. And then you can start moving into the pieces where 
Now the only stuff you're doing is the strategic work, the direct to client hard work, and then you can start training someone up to take over even that piece, right? So we start with let's lock in the stuff that should happen really automatically, the invoicing, the loading of podcasts, the production of show notes, all these other things, Um, get those locked in and then start bringing in extra support to help with the strategic work too, which is less, you know, less systematic and more creative, right? Um, So a lot of times if, if a business can move from custom to customizable where their customers experiencing a custom experience, but behind the scenes, very little is actually custom, then you can take on more clients without spending more time. You can delegate to other people while still providing a world-class experience. Once all that's in place, now you actually have space for an optimized sales funnel to bring in more clients. Because until that's the case, you can have the best sales in the world, but you won't be able to serve those people. You won't have time, you won't have space. So that's usually a good spot to start with. So to break it down for y'all, right? I'm a service-based business. So how did I go from custom to customizable? Everyone wants a different type of podcast, different industries, different everything. I have templates. I have a template for my initial meeting. I have a template for my working session. I have a template for the show notes, even this, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so it's really plug and play. And I ask different, I ask the same question, right? But I get different answers depending on what the client is. But it's the same questions I'm asking each time on the podcast front. You know, what is your, who is your target audience? What is your message to that target audience? You know, what is your 10 word description of the podcast? You know, how long is your podcast, right? Execution, that kind of stuff. So that's for service-based, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody can create some kind of templates that they can use. Now let's mm-hmm. talk about consumer packaged goods, or let's say, mm-hmm. you know, I make custom flags or something. How do mm-hmm. I make that process customizable? Um, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. And in some cases, especially with products, right, then it becomes kind of a decision of what level of customizable you want. Some businesses might say, you know what? Nope, this is the thing. You can buy the thing or not buy the thing. This right. is what it is. I will ship it to you, right? Other ones might say, okay, we're going to have three color choices um, all the way up to, you know, hey, like you said, it's a flag. You can decide exactly what's on the flag. Um, and it's kind of in some ways easier and more straightforward with a product business because, we kind of understand intuitively the levels of customization that are available to us um, in a variety of products, right? I know that if I go to Wendy's, I can get tomato or not tomato on my burger, but I know I'm not going to be able to get a pizza from them, right? Right. Like there's a very clear level of what I can customize and what I can't. Um, And so for product businesses, that can be easier in some ways of just kind of deciding what makes sense in terms of providing a lot of extra value by being customizable um, versus not, right? For a box of cereal, most of us would not be willing to pay how much it would cost to get a custom box of cereal. Like talking with someone about the level of crunchiness we want and the size and what's on the cover, too much work, way too expensive, not a whole lot of extra value, right? Um, But we might want to be able to monogram a towel, might want to be able to pick a different color for our phone, right? Those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, I think it's easier in the product space to say, okay, is my client getting a lot of value by adding some custom elements in here or not? And does it make sense for us from a production standpoint? So in a lot of ways with a service, you're doing the same thing. Um, it just can be a little bit hazier to understand it that way. 
because we don't, we just think, oh, everyone's different, like you were saying, right? Um, when it really can be the same way, right? Say, here's your menu of options. You can change the colors here, right? <laughs> yep. um, you're doing the exact same thing in uh, a product as you are in a service. Um, just kind of making those calls and looking at it that way. Like, all right, this is my product. Where does customizable add value and where does it not, right? And where for a podcast, for instance, your podcast guests don't need a customizable process for uploading their stuff, right? That's not going to add value to them. And if you're making that decision every time, it's probably making it worse for both you and them. But they are going to want custom cover art. They are going to want maybe a custom format for how their podcasts are done, those sorts of things. Um, But you can kind of decide where you have a menu of options and where things are locked in and then not make those decisions every single time you bring a client through the door. As we close out the customer experience piece, the reason I I wanted Ashley to emphasize this is a lot of our listeners are early stage, small Mm, businesses or startups or whatever. The devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. And (laughs) we spend all this time customer acquisition, finally getting a customer, getting them in, right? Why would Mm -hmm. you want to punt that experience for them? You know, because if you have an awesome customer experience and you deliver value, you know what they're going to do? They're going to tell other people how awesome you are. And guess mm-hmm. what? They might even come back for more services and then mm-hmm. keep you on retainer, whatever. If you're a consumer package, good company, whatever, they're going to buy from you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when they go and they get a gift, they're going to buy from you again, you know? Right. And so let's focus on creating value to our existing clients. In order to do that, we've got to map that process out so we can deliver it time and time again. And sometimes you're going to punt mm-hmm. it. You're going to make mistakes, but fail forward. You know, yep. I've lost a client. I literally, I lost a client. Mm-hmm. I had them doing too much work. You know, he was kind of like me, overwhelmed, busy. So the reason we switched to working sessions, Ashley, is because I found that the clients enjoy me sitting or my team on with Mm -hmm. them for an hour to help them fill out those documents instead of them doing it themselves, because then it just Mm -hmm. becomes more work and it becomes more burdensome. And so uh, but I lost the client because of that. I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. fill out your perfect customer, fill out this template here, you know, and then we'll go. And each working session will come back to me. He didn't have it done. And he yeah. just said, you know what? I'm not really feeling podcasts, et cetera. So use me yeah. as an example. All right. Now I want to shift gears here. And let's talk about team and why this mm-hmm. is so in, important of documenting processes and steps, right? Right. You know, you can be entrepreneur one, you can be entrepreneur 50 or whatever. But how important is it actually to empower our teams and give them with the tools and resources they need to succeed? Yeah, this is a really interesting one because I think a lot of times, um, at least my own experience was I didn't really go into entrepreneurship being like, okay, I'm going to learn how to be a leader, right? So like, I'm going to start this thing and people are going to buy it for me and I'm going to deliver it and it's going to be awesome. Um, But so much of entrepreneurship is learning how to be a leader, whether you hire or not, right? So it's kind of the case, even if you never bring on a single person, you're going to need to learn to lead in your industry. You're going to need to learn to lead with your clients. And so learning how to lead is this incredibly important skill. And so a lot of times I'll run into entrepreneurs who hire their first team member and their team member comes to them and says, okay, I'm so excited to be here. How can I help you? And the client's like, "Um, I don't know. Like, you want me to tell you how I can help you? And it's like, yes, I I need you to tell me how I can help you, right? And uh, your team needs clarity of what's happening, how things happen in your business, what's the playbook for 
how your business works and where they can plug into that. Right. And so um, a lot of it's being willing to lean into that and learn how to articulate your vision to another person, um, articulate your standards to another person, and then get out of the way and trust them and let them work. Right. And this has been so hard for me to learn so hard for me to learn because you know, our business is our baby and you're used to doing everything yourself. And it can be really hard to hand that off in any form to another person. Um, but it's really a critical part of experiencing freedom in your business, because if you don't have empowered, strong help and something happens and you need to walk away from your business for two months, your revenue goes to zero, right? Um, that's it. You're, you are your business, right? Um, but when you can build that kind of team, now you have the freedom to step away. You have the freedom to for your business to survive if bad luck happens. Um, and you have an asset you can sell, right? Um, anytime you have built something where someone else can step in and run that business, now you have something bigger than you. You've created jobs for other people. You've created an asset you can sell. You've um, you've built something beyond yourself. So, um, it's a hard part of entrepreneurship, but I think it's a really important one. I'm going to give my feedback to, to, to this. And one of the things I've found is that your core purpose, your brand, which is going to be a whole another office hour session is so important to have dialed in. I think before you start bringing on other team members, because they need to understand your why. Mm Mm-hmm. And what drives you? And I used to think this stuff was hokey pokey, you know, like <laughs> core values. We anybody got time for that. You know, we're trying to get make money, you know, yeah. all rent, utilities, all this kind of stuff. But then once you realize is when you have these team members out there in the wild, right, that they need to feel empowered mm-hmm. to make good decisions in your absence, you know, in the absence of leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, for a lot of us as veterans. You know, we are used yeah. to issuing orders and commands and doing this brain dump and saying, hey, how do I know the mission is accomplished? You know, yep. like you could be yep. the last man standing, but, you know, if you need to hold that bridge. Right. Yep. That's the most important thing. Our team yep. members are the same thing. And so what I want to encourage all you out there to do is as you're going through this process, start to think about your why and your yep. core, you know, mm-hmm. and your old beliefs. Right. All mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. But don't just it's not enough for you to know it. Your team members need to know it. And so right. one of the things we did, um, you know, we put together what's called this job scorecard, which I got from the Lions Pride. Shout out to Bill Watkins and his team of just like, and I did something different to theirs is I put my core values on there. I put the yep. bold beliefs on there, you yep. know? And when I got it back from the team member, she was like, oh my gosh, thank you, Mike. This is so amazing. You know, yep. let her know uh, what her uh, fail, what would be failing, you know, yeah. what would be winning. Yep. What incentives she gets, right? All of that stuff we dumped um, and it it was super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as veterans, you have that incredible experience to draw on, like you're saying, of being on mission together, knowing what that looks like um, and recognizing the power of of doing that kind of work together. Um, I mean, the work you're doing in your businesses is is like that, right? You're on a mission to do something um, and you'll get there you'll get so much farther with the help of a team that's also empowered for the same ultimate vision. Right. So we've been chopping it up. We went over systems, right? Define mm-hmm. what systems were. 
and we talked about, you know, some actionable advice where it's like just get it out on paper, do a brain dump. Now we've kind of transitioned and talking about teams, right? And the last thing as we kind of close it up is I want you to talk about your book, you know, and you spent a lot of time, you know, writing this thing and Eureka results, how entrepreneurs can turn their best ideas into reality, you know, and I've come to feel that execution is such a game changer in this space. Like we all have ideas, but it's the Mm -hmm. one that can execute on it. So talk to us about your, about your book. Yeah. So Um, One of the biggest ideas in the book is that a lot of times when we hear successful entrepreneurs tell their stories, it can set us up to fail in terms of how we approach making our ideas happen. And a lot of times the way uh, entrepreneurs will tell their story is something along the lines of, oh, you know, I struggled for several years and maybe I had two failed businesses and I was in my garage and I was living on ramen and just tried everything in the book and nothing worked, nothing worked and nothing worked until one day I was in the shower and I had this amazing idea, right? I just knew it all clicked for me. I just knew what it was. And then, you know, 12 months later, I hit seven figures and we've been going ever since, right? You kind of hear stories told that way. And this is how movies tell stories as well. Um, often is this kind of struggle, 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 turning point, and then just this hockey stick growth curve straight up to success, right? So a lot of times when we have a great idea, we expect that. Like, here it is. I found it. Mind blown. I found my eureka moment, right? The thing that's going to work. Uh, But what we find instead of this just hockey stick growth curve is iteration and discouragement and a dip. And it takes way longer than we thought to pay off and all of these other things. And a lot of times we get stuck in that marathon because we didn't expect there to be one. And we can think, maybe my idea wasn't so good after all. I've run out of steam. I've run out of motivation. I was so excited about this. I'm not anymore. Um, This is really hard. This isn't working like I thought it was going to. And so we start the process all over again with a different idea. And this is often where shiny object syndrome comes in of, you know, we're looking for more energy and we find it in a new idea, right? And uh, I kind of equate it to, you know, getting all pumped up for a marathon, carbo loading, getting your music and then running the thing barefoot and without water. Right. And so my big idea in the book is that we need to learn how to use systems um, to make it through this marathon between a great idea and actually experiencing the result of that great idea, which is where the title comes from. Right. Of you have incredible ideas. The world needs these great ideas. How can we support the actual journey between that Eureka moment and its Eureka result, right? How can we use systems to go the distance without getting discouraged, losing steam um, and ending up in this cycle of shiny object syndrome where you're constantly chasing new idea after new idea, after new idea, trying to get the energy to make it. Um, So that's the idea of the book, really wanting to, support people through that marathon, show them, you know, here are some systems you can use. Here's how to think about systems to do this. Um, But also to normalize this experience of, you know, no entrepreneur has arrived. That's not a thing, you know? So how do we experience the messy middle together? Because that's where we all are. Um, So I'm really passionate about it. Really excited to see how that conversation unfolds, because this is really just the beginning of a conversation around those things. Um, 
But you're right. You know, the ideas, we all have so many ideas. Those aren't the problem most of the time. It's just how do we support each other all the way to the finish line of making that idea happen? Well, Ashley, I appreciate you taking this time to drop some knowledge bombs to the bunker. Um, (laughs) As we start to close out this interview, you got listeners from all over the country, all over the world, veterans and military spouses. What would you like to leave them with or what words of encouragement do you want to close out with? Mm, That's a great question. Um, So I would say, um, you know, for those of you listening, A, thank you so much for your service. Thank you for serving our country in the way that you have. And thank you for bringing the skill sets and the ideas and the knowledge you have to this space. We need you. Um, And we're all in this together. And I, um, you know, your ideas are good ones. And I would just hope that you don't feel discouraged when things are hard um, to know that those ideas are still good, that they're worth investing in, that it's worth staying in this together um, and that you're not doing something wrong when it's hard and when things are taking a while and you need to iterate and experiment. Um, we're, we're all doing that. And it's one big experiment that's worth doing. In addition to your book, Eureka Results, what other books do you recommend uh, people start uh, reading as they start to understand how to you know, get out of the weeds of their business? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, if you're looking to hire a team, uh, Mike Michalowicz's book Clockwork is a useful one. Um, I know Mike mentioned that earlier, uh, kind of thinking about how to document, how to delegate effectively. Mike has a lot of experience in leading teams. Um, one Minute Manager is kind of a fun short read also for, for leading teams and kind of learning to uh, combat micromanagement if you have that challenge like I do. Um, if you're thinking about, you know, what it looks like to manage your time effectively and get out of the overwhelm and those sorts of things, um, I'm trying to think of what some great resources might be. This isn't a book, but I really enjoy following someone called um, her handles, the lazy genius. Her name's Kendra on Instagram. Uh, it's sometimes fun to follow other entrepreneurs who are finding ways to do this business thing while actually having a life um, and experiencing, you know, balancing those things out. So she's fun to follow um, and fix this next, I think is a great one for that too, to be able to give yourself permission to focus on one problem at a time. Because sometimes it really is just giving yourself permission to do that. Well, this has been a great interview. And uh, again, can't thank you enough for doing this and all the work you're doing with me and my company. You know, like I said, just getting me in the notion and getting me to, you know, start to build out my processes. It's just, it's relief. Like I jump in there and I see all my clients listed before I didn't even, I had like a whiteboard, you know, people are like, what? <laughs> how many clients you got? I'm like, uh, one, two, three, I'm trying to figure it out. But now, you know, starting to get that out is, is just great. So. Where can people follow you and how can they reach out to you? Yeah. um, So our website and handles are all a squared online. So it's a squared online.com or um, the same on uh, Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook under my own name, Ashley Berghoff. Um, And if you're curious about the book, that's at Eureka results book.com. Awesome. And for our listeners, do me a favor, go ahead and subscribe to the transition on iTunes, Spotify, whatever listening service you're using today. We'd greatly appreciate it if you left us a review 
and share this podcast with other veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses in your network that you feel can benefit from this information. Look, this is an organic show, y'all. Uh, my goal is to personally impact 10,000 veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses, and I can't do it alone. So I humbly ask for you to share this show um, and, and help us spread the word. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, visit www.bunkerlabs.org, select the city nearest to you, and sign up for our local newsletter. From there, attend one of our networking events, either virtual or in person. It's that simple. Be sure to join Bunker Online, where you can learn more about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. You can register today by clicking connect at bunkerlabs.org. Thanks again, Ashley. And for everyone else, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.